Good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. Sort of okay. That's what I got. You're, you're sort of okay. My name is David McMinn, and I'm the lead pastor here, and it is a great joy to be with, here with you on Yes. I see we have a lot of Irish, or people who are at least claiming to be Irish, the one day of the year that people want to be Irish, St. Patrick's Day. Now, Joy stole my thunder. She told the story of St. Patrick. It's funny when you're on the same wavelength and you don't even talk to anyone about that. But today we are talking about, I believe in Jesus Christ. And what does that mean for us? What does it mean when we say that we believe in Jesus? As we continue our sermon series on the Apostles' Creed, these foundation, these principles that we live by, our, our basic beliefs that every Christian can stand and say, this is what we believe. St. Patrick is a great example, though. He believed in Jesus, and he went back and he shared his faith with the people who kidnapped and enslaved him. Faith in Jesus matters. It matters because it changes the way that we live our lives. It matters because it gives us heart for the broken. It matters because we want other people to have this gift of life abundant now and life eternal and we won't stop until every single person has at least heard and had the opportunity to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I want to take a minute. This worked really well last week, so I'm going to do it again this week. What is one reason, turn to your neighbor and share one reason that you believe in Jesus. All right, ready, go. You have to turn around, Logan. <laughs> We're a little quieter today. We're a little nervous, maybe, to share why we believe in Jesus. Well, I hope that this today will give us that opportunity to kind of fill in those gaps and to say, this is why I believe in Jesus. And I can tell you, I believe in Jesus first because my parents took me to worship. So all you parents who have brought your kids to worship today, good job. Because that is the way your faith gets transferred, by you having regular and consistent uh, attendance at worship and say, this is important. This is a priority. This is more important than any sport. This is more important than studying. This is more important than school. This is more important than anything else that we set aside this time as a family and we worship God together. That is the most important thing you can do to raise your kid to have a belief in Jesus, is bring them to worship. That is why I'm standing here today. My parents made that choice and that commitment. The second reason is I have witnessed the miraculous I have seen miracles. I have seen God change people's hearts. I have seen God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, change lives in ways that I never could imagine. And I believe in Jesus because the incredible words and teachings that we are given down through the Gospels. I just wanted to share something with y'all this morning from the Gospel of Matthew. I shared it this week on my Facebook. But every time I look at this scripture it blows me away. So Jesus is baptized, and then he goes in the desert for 40 days, and he's tempted, and then he gathers his disciples on the mount, and he starts to teach them in Matthew chapter 5. And this, this is the beginning. This is, this is how Jesus chooses to start his teaching. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, some people have kind of watered this down and said what Jesus is talking about is the humble. Blessed are you if you're humble. That is not what Jesus says. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the broken. Blessed are the lost. Blessed are the people who don't know. 
Blessed are the ones who won't figure it out. Blessed are the people who have walked away from God, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is doing with the Beatitudes is a radical announcement of God's favor. That word blessed means that God's favor is upon you. And before this, everyone had thought, you know, if you were wealthy, God had favored you. If you were religious and you were the priest, God had favored you. And now Jesus is saying God's favor is on the broken. He's completely flipping everything on its head. And these are the first words, his first teaching, the first thing that he does is to announce this radical change in the way the world works. Why do I believe in Jesus? Jesus' words are the most profound things that I have ever read in my entire life. And I challenge you, if you've not read the Gospels lately, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to read them. Go home and read them. And allow yourself to be captivated by what Jesus is saying and what he's doing and his teachings and the parables. And let them get inside you and let them change your heart. That's what we need today. We need Christians to act like Christians. I believe in Jesus because he saved my life. And ultimately, we need Jesus because we need Jesus to save us so that he can be our Lord and Savior. We need Jesus because we need Jesus to call us and give us purpose. And we need Jesus because we need to be sent out on a mission. And as it is every single week, it is clear the world needs Jesus. This week, yet another awful shooting happened in a place called Christ Church of all places. Just because some people think that the, the best way of being is to be white and that immigrants are bad and to be Muslim are bad, that's so much so that they're going to go and kill people who look differently and believe differently than themselves. Why does the world need Jesus? Because the world, or Jesus tells us that we're called to love people who are different than us. We're called to love people who disagree with us. And I would hate to say that any Muslim or any person of another religion is my enemy. I would never say that. But even if you do view people of other religions as your enemy, what does Jesus tell you to do? To love your enemy. That is what we're called to do. The world is desperate because it can be such a dark place. And what is so sad and so tragic is one of the things we're going to talk about is Jesus has already won the victory. He's already won the victory over sin and death. And so the evil in this world today is the evil that we allow that we choose to allow as humans. So we say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Our scripture today comes from Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20. The son is the image of the invisible God, the one who is first over all creation, because all things were created by him, both in heavens and on earth, the things that are visible and the things that are invisible, whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He existed before all things, and all things are held together in him. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the one who was firstborn from among the dead, so that he might occupy the first place in everything. Because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in him, he reconciled all things to himself through him, whether things on earth or in the heavens, and he bought peace, brought peace through the blood of his cross. Let's look at that a little bit. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the one who is first over all creation. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is God with skin on him, right? You know, this is an incredible gift that God gives us, that 
so God could see that humans needed a physical and tangible example of what it means to follow God. And so God gave us a visible representation of the invisible and unknowable God. Last week I said that God cannot be fully known, only encountered. We encounter God through the person of Jesus Christ. Because all things were created by him, both in heaven and on earth, the things are visible and invisible, whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He existed before all things, and all things are held together in him. In, in, first, in John chapter 1, we're told that the word was in the beginning, and the word was with God, and the word is God, and the word came to dwell among us. This means that, that Jesus has existed all time, that he has existed from the beginning. So whenever God began, and when God began creating, Jesus was there, and he existed throughout history until he became human, became fully human as well as fully divine. And he will be there until the end of time. Hear this verse. All things are held together in him. This is how awesome and how amazing God is, how amazing Jesus is. All things, all the universe, all particles, all matters, all humans, all spirit, everything ever created is held together in Jesus. That's pretty amazing. And then, in the fullness of time, God sent his one and only son into our world. He would live this life, show us how to live. And then he would go to the cross and die brutally for our sins so we could be reconciled to God and be resurrected and be vindicated on the third day. God is pretty awesome to send that person who has existed since all of time into our existence. I've been thinking about this recently. So Jesus has existed throughout all of time until the day that God decided to send Jesus into our world and he became fully human and fully divine so that you and I could be reconciled and serve God as we're called to do so. That means that God allowed the nature, his own, very own nature to change because he became fully human and fully divine. And Jesus today, when he ascends into heaven, he takes his body with him. So the fundamental nature of God was changed by him coming into our world. That is the height and depth that God is willing to go to save your soul. That is the height and depth that God is willing to save everyone's soul and to reconcile all creation to God, to fundamentally change God's own nature. I believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, the third day he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. So when we say conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, that's talking about those two natures, that he is fully human and fully divine. The Spirit and the flesh together. Just like we are, in a sense, we have the Spirit, we have the soul, and we have the flesh, but in a much more powerful and incredible way. Then one of the things that I, maybe a little quibble that I have with the Apostles' Creed is it doesn't talk about the life of Jesus. And I think this is incredibly important because the first thing that Jesus does for us is he shows us the example of how to live and be truly human. Now, we might say, okay, well, it was really easy because 
He's God, and of course he's going to make the right decision. But Philippians chapter 2 says something very interesting. It says that Jesus emptied himself. Now there's one thought that perhaps when what Jesus did when he became fully human is that he left his God powers in heaven. So he, when he became fully human, he lived with the same abilities and powers and gifts that you and I have. Now that's a mind-blowing thought. And you see this a little bit in Scripture because there's places where Jesus can't heal. And here we are, someone who, you know, is the firstborn of all creation, right? And all things are made through him, and he holds all things together. And in some places, he can't heal. What's going on there? And so perhaps what happened is he left all of that in heaven and said, I am going to fully live as a human for my time on earth so that we would have an example that it is possible to live a sin-free life. That it is possible to live for God and no one else. That it is possible to do miracles. And if you don't believe that you can perform miracles with the power of the Holy Spirit, keep reading your Bible. Because after Jesus leaves, actually before he leaves, he tells the disciples, you will do greater things than I will. And then we see uh, Peter and, and Paul and John and some of the apostles actually performing miracles after Jesus has left through the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, one time Paul preaches so long, a guy falls out the window and dies because he falls asleep. (laughs) And so Paul has to run downstairs and resurrect him so so that uh, he can can live. This is a warning to preachers. (laughs) Don't preach boring sermons or preach too long. You may kill somebody. We are given that power. We can do miracles. If we trust in God, we can heal people. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I'm not telling you you walk out these doors and all of a sudden magic stuff starts happening, but God will do amazing things through you. God will do miracles. God will allow you to do things you never thought possible if you're open to that power. Jesus was the example of how we should live. And then we hear in this creed that he was crucified he was suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Jesus was the sacrifice that reconciled us to God. On the cross, Jesus said many things, but there's two things I want to focus on this morning. He said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus forgave us for putting him on the cross. And don't just blame the people that were there that day. Every time we sin, we place a nail in Jesus' hands. And in Jesus' feet. I don't tell you that to make you feel guilty. I tell you that to know the the strength of what we choose to do when we sin. When we destroy one another and we destroy our relationship with God. He said, forgive them for they know not what they do. We are forgiven so that we can be reconciled to God through the cross. He also says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now think about this. Jesus who has existed as long as God has existed, right? They have always been in relationship. They have always been together. God created all things by Jesus and through Jesus. On the cross, because of your sin and my sin and all the sin that's happened, Jesus allowed himself to be forsaken by God. Jesus, who is always with God, felt alone. Jesus allowed that sin to become between him and God. Jesus, who had never been separated from God. He took all of our sin and bore on the cross, and he died and was buried. Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins that he went willingly to the cross to die so that you and I might have life. 
The third thing that Jesus does is he won the victory. What's interesting in in the United Methodist version, we don't say descended to the dead, but in the ecumenical version, or if you're Lutheran or other denominations, they say Jesus descended to the dead. Some, some versions even say he descended to hell. I think to the dead is a better translation. A few weeks ago, we talked about Sheol and the realm of the dead and all of that. But whatever happened, that Jesus defended, and he got in a battle with Satan, and he defeated Satan once and for all. In Genesis chapter 3, there's this interesting punishment of the serpent. It talks about how uh, one born of a woman will strike the head of the snake, but the snake will bite the heel of that one at the same time. And this mortality, that the, that one would take death on himself. This is a foreshadowing to what Jesus did. He destroyed the Satan. He destroyed the serpent. He defeated sin and death, but took death on himself at the same time. So Jesus gives us the example. Jesus sacrifices so we could be reconciled, and Jesus won the victory over sin and death and evil. But it wouldn't have mattered if it hadn't been for the third day. What happens on the third day? He is resurrected from the dead. He arose, right? We are an Easter people. The resurrection vindicated everything that was ever said, everything he ever did, that Jesus is the Son of God. We are an Easter people. So you might be matter, wondering, why does this matter to me today? Well, we need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need to be saved. And since I am saved, my, my soul, Jesus says, I have given my life to Christ. But we need to constantly be saved from our sin. For some reason, we want to take those shackles and just put them back on. Jesus has broken the, the power, has broken our enslavement to sin and death. But some reason, we go back over here with sin, and we start putting the chains back on. So we need to remember who Jesus is and who we are called to be, that he is our example, that he has already been the sacrifice for our sins, and he has won the victory. We need to be saved. The world needs Jesus because the people who have been reconciled to God are given the ministry of reconciliation. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us. God entrusts the ministry to us. That doesn't mean that God doesn't work, or that God only works for the church. God works outside the church. But God expects you to carry the ministry of reconciliation to where they are hurting and broken. So if you have a neighbor who's hurting, Jesus wants you to go to them. If you see someone on the street who is hurting, Jesus wants you to go to them. If you see someone who is lost and alone, Jesus wants you to go with them. We're given the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus makes all the difference. I have a piece of art from my daughter Amelia on my wall in my office. When I was writing this, I was thinking about this idea of Jesus and him coming into the world that piece of art reminds me that Amelia loves me. It's a tangible, physical thing that I can look at every single day and know that Amelia loves me. That's what Jesus is. When Jesus came in this world, God gave us a tangible, touchable, knowable explanation that Jesus loves me. Karl Bart, when asked to sum up all of Christianity, he said, I'll say it in this one line. Jesus loves me. This I know. 
for the Bible tells me so. And then we, the church, are called to take that message to all the world. I want to pray in honor of St. Patrick. I want to pray over you this prayer. It's called St. Patrick's Breastplate. And it's a powerful prayer. This is only part of it, but it's a powerful prayer to remind us of who we are. Let us pray. Christ with me. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me. Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down. Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in the eye, uh, every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears, hears me. I rise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, the belief in the threeness, through the confession of oneness of the creator of creation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.